together on this series looking at the Holy Spirit, of who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit is doing. And this is our final week in this series. And here's where we've been up to this point. We started with Jesus his last night with his disciples, looking at them as he was going away and telling them, it is actually to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't go away, I'm not able to send this helper or this advocate who is the Holy Spirit. And we've seen that the Holy Spirit is not this generic force, but it is a person. It is God Himself with us and for us in a way like never before. Then we looked at how the Spirit is at work giving new life. The image that we saw was God taking a heart of stone and making it come alive. We saw how the work of the Holy Spirit connects us to Jesus. The image there was Jesus being this life-producing vine, and the Spirit connects us like branches to this vine. Then we looked at how the Holy Spirit is praying for us, searching our heart, searching God's heart, and groaning with groanings that are too deep for words, feeling with us in the midst of our greatest struggles, and knows what is best and is always at work for our best. Then we looked at what it looks like for us to walk in step with the Spirit, that there is often this disconnection between our lives and God's heart and His mind and His purposes, and the Spirit is pulling those together, helping us to walk in step with one another. And then last week, we talked about the Spirit's work to bring together and to empower these works of service and these works of love within the body and beyond. And this last week, we're, we're looking at this final part of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And there's a lot more that we could talk about during this series, but here is where we're going to end. We're going to end with a more future-oriented work of the Holy Spirit and that is the Spirit being God's pledge in us and to us to finish the work that He started. The Holy Spirit is God's pledge to us and His pledge in us to finish this good work that He started. The Holy Spirit is God binding Himself to us in a way like never before for our Good. And so we find ourselves in the first chapter of this letter to these churches in, in Ephesus. And while most of our attention is going to be focused on verses 11 through 14, I included all the way back to verse 3 for a specific reason. I want you, if you have your worship guide, I want you to look at that passage in Ephesians. There before you is a pretty long passage, and it's five sentences that are not light, but are incredibly dense. So Paul has packed in so much into each one of these sentences. But if you were to read through this in Greek, the original language, do you know how many sentences that this, this full lengthy argument would take up? This is actually one sentence in the original language. And that's not because Greek structure works significantly different. This is, even in Greek culture, this is a long run-on sentence. This is like an English teacher's nightmare. They wake up in cold sweats thinking about run-on sentences 
like this. And Paul's doing this for a very particular reason. There are some places in his letters where he summarizes the gospel in such a beautiful, short way. But here what he's doing is he is taking time and pulling it apart in order to show more of the depth and breadth and power and beauty of this good news that revolves around Jesus. This is Paul saying, I want to share more about this gift that God has given us in His Son that is good news. It can't be captured in just a sentence or two sentences. I've got to really pull it out and then look at it from different angles. And so what we're seeing here is this is a gift of God's grace from beginning to end, which means that this is something that is secure for those who belong to God. And so I want to look at this from three different angles, this securing work of the Holy Spirit and why we can have confidence that God is faithful to finish the work that He started in us. And so we're going to look at three different angles. We're going to look at God's grace in the past. We're going to look at God's grace in the present. And we're going to look at God's grace in the future. So gospel, grace, past, present, future, and along the way, hopefully, what it means for us here now. So first, God's grace in the past. So August 11th of 1981 is the day that I came into this world. It was a momentous day of great celebration. Um, Some of you, that, that seems ancient. To others, it seems like just a baby. But that is when I was born. Uh, I came into this world in Piedmont Hospital in Atlanta. I was uh, given a name. I was brought into a family, and I was brought home to start a new life. But when the Bible tells the story of my life and your life, the, the story of those on whom, who belong to the Lord, our stories go back much, much further Verse 4, our story begins, as Paul said, before the foundation of the world. So as we look around us and we see mountains and we see valleys and hills and trees and rivers, uh, our story goes back further than than any of that. When, When God sat down to write the story of this world, you were a character in that story. All of God's people have been on His heart and His mind for a long, long, long time. To think about it another way, think about investing in the stock market. What you're typically trying to do when you invest in the stock market is you're trying to find a business that has potential, that's going to grow, that you look at and you see that potential and then you invest in it with the hopes that it will continue to grow and then reap rewards or returns for you. And if you invest in it and it does not reap those rewards, then you just get rid of it. You cut your losses and you invest in something else. I think it can be easy for for us as Christians to think about our life in a similar way. If we kind of came into this world and we began this life and, 
and God's kind of generically around, and then he looks at us and says, ooh, this, this person has some potential. They might be able to do some good for the world or for my kingdom, and so I'm going to invest a little bit of my life into them, and then I'm going to see how it goes, and you know, if it doesn't turn out well, I've got billions of other people that I can work in that have just as much potential, and so I'm going to shift my resources there. But the heart of God that we see here is something very different. It's not God being caught off guard by who we are and showing up on the scene and investing and wondering how we're going to be doing. It it is a God who has forever ago set His everlasting love on the people who He will call in time to Himself. It says, We were chosen before the foundation of the world. And he's speaking here to a group of Christians, to a group of Christ followers who have come to own these realities of the gospel. And he's telling them that it actually wasn't you moving first, it was me moving first in you. We were predestined in love to be a part of this family. And I realize words like predestination are very big words that can come with a lot of baggage and unpacking that requires another sermon and that's not the purpose of what we're talking about today. But the focus here on what Paul is saying in this lengthy discussion or this lengthy sentence is to try to encourage this group of believers and us who will come after them that God's love and His grace and His secure faithfulness reaches far, far back into the past. And what that means is is that is grounds for us here and now to live with a kind of secure and humble confidence that He truly is for us in all things. That's, That's God's grace in the past that is meant to bring about that security. And I want to shift gears a little bit to talk about God's grace in the present. So we all make plans. We have things that we would like to see accomplished, and we make plans to try to to make those become a reality. But we all know that we have certain limitations, that all of our aspirations and all of our dreams and everything we want to see happen, we are often not able to make those. There's a lot that is out of our control and out of our power. But when it comes to God and and His plans and His work, He does not share our same limitations. God is able to dream big, and God is able to make His dreams a reality in just the way He wants to. And that's part of what Paul is explaining here. He's saying God is able to work all things according to the counsel of His will. Another time he talks about God's, God's plan and this fulfillment. What that means for us in terms of God's grace in the present is, is this desire for His people in the past will become a, a real saving work in real time in our lives. And so there is a time in which we as a believer, verse 13, we hear and we believe. We trust And we follow. There is a change that happens inside of us that reorients even our lives. And we experience what was said in verse 7, that His redemption, the forgiveness of our trespasses. So 
to redeem something in that culture was really to buy it back. It's looking on something and it is a purchasing. It is paying a price in order that you might bring something back to yourself. And that's the language that Paul uses to describe God's work in the life of His people. That he doesn't just look from long ago and say, I wish they would belong to me, but in due time, he purchases and pays the price. And we, hear, we see here that it was a very costly price. It was the blood of his own son. That is the value that God places on the people he loves. And that reveals his heart. And then verse 13, those who believed were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And this is where the work of the Holy Spirit is really coming to the forefront. The Spirit is talked about here in terms of a, of a seal. And there's different ways seals were used in this time. But one of the ways is to mark off possession. To show what belonged to you. As I was preparing, it made me think of Toy Story and the character Woody. This little cowboy toy owned by Andy, a little child. And do you remember what's written on the bottom of Woody's heel? Anybody? Andy. And who is Andy? Andy's the child that loves Woody, that plays with Woody, whose heart is set on Woody, and who is deeply distraught when he loses Woody and greatly rejoices when he finds him again. Uh, Woody belongs to Andy. The, the seal is, the, the Spirit is that kind of a seal in us. It is God's stamp on us as believers in which He says, You are mine. You are my treasured possession, as He referred to His people of old in the Old Testament. I think about Isaiah 43, where He encourages His people, saying, Don't be afraid because I've redeemed you, I've called you by name, and you're mine. 1 Peter 2 talks about us being a chosen people and a royal priesthood and a special possession. That is God's grace in, in the present as it becomes a reality to us of God's stamp inside of us by His Spirit that is meant to be another strand in this securing, binding love of God in which He says, you're mine. I love you. Not just then, but now. Which brings us to our, our final aspect of this secure love in which God says, I don't love you just then and now, but I love you forever. God's grace in the future. The other day I was driving around on some back roads and I, I saw this box turtle that was making its way across the street. This may come as a surprise, but box turtles are not very fast. And they look even slower when they're trying to cross a road. So for a cheetah to go a, a, a mile, it takes less than a minute. For a little box turtle, it takes about five hours. And I was driving past that box turtle, and it just seemed, um, it seemed like he was in a lot of trouble there. There's a lot of cars going around, and he's helpless. He's going to make it slow. He can't curve around. He's not like a squirrel that can just go in all sorts of directions. 
but there's so much that is outside of, of his control. Uh, I didn't have time to stop. Don't know what happened. I doubt it ended well. But as I was thinking about, this may sound strange. As I'm thinking about that box turtle, I'm thinking about us. Um, there's so much in life that is out of our control. And we do live in a world that there is much beauty, but there is also much brokenness. There is much danger. There is many things that are threatening. And so much of, of our life is like this little box turtle. And yes, we have this shell, but that shell does not help you much when this two-ton automobile comes riding down your way. And so part of the, the comfort that we're given in this letter to the Ephesians in these few verses is the Spirit is this securing comfort in the midst of all sorts of uncertainty and all sorts of danger that awaits us, that we're helpless to protect ourselves against. Verse 14 talks about the Holy Spirit, God being inside of us as a guarantee of our inheritance. There's two important words there, guarantee and inheritance. And we'll start with inheritance. So when you think about the richest people in the world, who do you tend to think about? tend to think about Elon Musk. You tend to think about Jeff Bezos or, or Warren Buffett. And it's true, they are the richest people in the world. But there is a family that is, when they gather together, just a few of them at the Thanksgiving table, they have more net worth than any of them. In the $230 billion range. And they're able to sit around that table and, and talk and enjoy these hundreds of billions of dollars because they inherited it freely as a gift from someone else. A while ago, a man named Sam Walton started this small company called Walmart that grew to become somewhat of a behemoth. And when he passed away, passed along his wealth to his children, and so they inherited it. That is what an inheritance is. It is this passing along of a gift. It is not something that you have worked or earned for or purchased, but it is something that is received with open hands from the generosity of another. When Paul's talking about this inheritance, he is talking about our future hope. A future hope of a kingdom and a future hope of a king. And the Holy Spirit is talked about as a guarantee of that future hope. This guarantee is a commercial word. Another word it can be translated is as deposit or as a down payment. I remember years ago, this was pre-2008 when banks were just throwing loans out for anybody who could catch them. And my wife and I uh, decided to catch one and did not need to put anything down on the house. So 0% down. So we just move into a house and start making monthly payments. And what that means is at any point we can just walk away from the house and we don't really lose anything. We haven't invested anything in that house. Whereas the last house we purchased, we had to put a lot more down. A lot more had to be invested in this house. We had to have more skin in the game so that if we just walk away, we lose a lot. The Spirit is said to be here, God's down payment inside of us. God's investment in us. 
And it is not just a present investment, but it is also a promise of a future reality. It is a kind of already more to come dynamic. So God's saying, I'm giving you some of myself here and now, but there is so much, so much more to come. And the ministry of the Spirit at work in us is to remind us of that and is to hold that secure for us as we sang just a few minutes ago that He is able to hold secure exactly what I have entrusted upon Him. And if that language of deposit, investment feels too transactional or too business-like or too impersonal, then let's close and go back to the, the words of Jesus. He uses a very personal image of a shepherd with a sheep. And he says, my sheep, they hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. That's another picture of this down payment, securing love of God, of a shepherd who's holding on to a sheep and is saying to anyone else, try, just just try to take this sheep from me. You will not be able to because I know this sheep, the sheep knows me, hears my voice, follows me. I've set my love upon this sheep long, long, long ago. I've loved it in real time and you can bet your life that I'm not letting go anytime soon. I'm going to finish this work that I started. The Holy Spirit, Father, Son, working together with the Spirit, saying, you are mine and I will not let you go. Do you hear His voice? Are you listening? Are you following? Have you experienced this internal down payment work of the Holy Spirit to bring about new life? And are you living confidently with a humble confidence in this secure love of God? And all the ups and downs that you have someone who says, I've got you and I'm not letting go. And if you question the heart behind that, you need to look no further then the Good Shepherd who says, I know my sheep and I lay my life down for them. And he did just that. So that we might be able to say with Paul, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray. Our Father, we confess how scared we are and how much we doubt Your love. And would You help us? Thank You for the gift of Your Spirit. And would You remind us this week of who we belong to. And if there are those in here, and there always are, who, who are looking at things like this from the outside in. And I pray they would hear this as a beautiful invitation to come and enjoy, and to be found by the one who is life itself. And it is in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.